so Sam, it's been a few months of talking uh, almost exclusively about fascism on the show. Yeah, it's been a really optimistic few months here at Trafe headquarters. <laughs> uh, so what we wanted to do is just take a break for this episode and talk about something a bit more positive. And lucky for us, the fine folks at Jewish Voice for Peace have a brand new podcast, the new Diaspora podcast. Yeah, and so we were excited to learn about this uh, new addition to the world of radical leftist Jewish media. Shout out to the co-host of this podcast, Tali and Ava, for making this podcast and for taking the time to talk to us about it. Yeah, and uh, without further ado, here's our conversation with Tali and Ava. Uh, hi, I'm Tali Ben Daniel. I work for Jewish Voice for Peace, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Diaspora podcast. I live in Oakland, and I'm a political educator. Hi, I'm Nava Echalom, and I live in Philly, where I am a long-term doctoral candidate in English lit, writing about the representation of settler colonialism in Palestine in Anglophone literature. And I'm a poet, and I've been doing movement work in support of Palestinian liberation for 20 years, and I'm really excited to be talking to you guys. Well, welcome to the show. And Tali, welcome back to the show. Uh, so we wanted to talk with you about the new podcast. And so maybe before we get into what the show is about and where it's going. The nuts and bolts, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how did the show start? What's the origin story of the podcast? So it started in part because Jewish Voice for Peace came out as opposing Zionism and put out a statement. Is it over a year ago now? A while ago at this point. And what that did is basically open up an opportunity for us to be able to speak more openly about Zionism and how we see the impact of Zionism. And we wanted to make something that wasn't, wasn't a statement, that wasn't a book, that wasn't something that we felt like was harder to access. And we also, I also did not know how much work podcasts were. And so podcasts <laughs> became a way to do this sort of work of education and opening up conversation that was really kind of accessible for people. Um, so that's the origin story of the first sort of iteration of the podcast. And then <laughs> Nava came on board. <laughs> then I came on board. And how that happened was I have a traumatic brain injury that I've had for six years. And I was getting to this point where I was feeling just like real despair that I could really not contribute anything to movement work. And I just hadn't figured out what do I do with my disability? You know, I'm still going through all kinds of like radicalization and identity formation around it. And in that moment, I was like, I need to find some way, even though I can't run a meeting, I can't really organized. I can't like show up for a demonstration or civil disobedience. And then I was like, I'm just going to call Tali. She's been doing <laughs> the academic stuff for JVP. And I called her and I was like, can I get in on academic council business? And she was like, um, <laughs> here's this podcast I'm thinking about. And it was so fun to talk about. We just started having fun right away and started talking every week. 
to dream about it and plan it. And that was a year ago, over more than a year ago. Yeah. And I was psyched about it because I think it's so good for us to just make more culture, especially like more pop culture artifacts that just work as primers. Like, what is this? What is this work? And it seems like such a good political resource for us to have just like a primer on Jews and Zionism. So David and I are both super excited about Diaspora Podcast and that y'all are working on it. Um, who do you both see as the targeted audience or, or, or what are some of the goals of putting the show together? Okay, we just, we have to tell you before, we will answer that question. That's yes. what we're here for. But yes. We do have to tell you that we are like never not talking about this question. Yeah, it's maybe the most living question in the process of putting this podcast together. And I think we keep... I maybe I'm just gonna speak for myself. I keep <laughs> feeling like we have finally achieved the answer. Like we know it. And then like a week later, we're like, wait, can we just like have this conversation one more time? Because well, and also Tali and I like really have learned to fight in the context of this question. Because also Correct. what will happen is I'm like, Tali, can we finally sit down and talk about like, what are our goals and who is the intended audience? <laughs> Tali will be like, we have a document <laughs> that answers that question. So, like, this is a troubled question. It's a little bit vexed, but we are going to tell you what we yes. know. One answer is that there's multiple audiences uh, for this question, which is possibly why it's uh, a little bit of a challenge for us to answer. Um, but one of, the an one of the audiences are Jewish people who are kind of progressive, but aren't Zionists, right? So... Nava and I have both been pretty obsessed with the questions of Zionism and nationalism and Judaism and Jewishness for most of our adult lives. But we know that there are people out there who are not as obsessed as we are about it <laughs> and um, are part of this sort of broader leftist movement or are very progressive. And this is a really living question for them right now, considering the Trump-Netanyahu alliance, considering all the ways that nationalism is making trouble for all of us right now. So that's one of the audiences, right? Is just like, okay, you don't know what this relationship is between Israel and the United States. Like, let's talk it out a little bit and, and figure out how Zionism fits into that. And then another audience that we think about in terms of how we're organizing it and gearing it, it's for people who are involved in this work for the liberation of Palestine, who aren't Palestinian, don't come from Palestinian families, who don't have a lot of background on Zionism. And I think that this is a part of the audience that we're not trying to like move them or make more room for them in the fold. We're trying to be like, here's a tool if you want to deepen what you know about this because it makes our work more powerful if we understand like what is even this ideology? How did it get so bound up in what it means to be Jewish, especially in North America? It sort of becomes hard to imagine a way forward after the ethno state if we don't understand the origins of the ethno state, like we want to have that available. Yeah. And I mean, I think of course, one of the audiences is anti-Zionist Jews because so many, so much of what it can feel like to be an anti-Zionist Jewish person is to be kind of lonely. And so just to make visible that there are others and that you're not alone and that there's a whole community of anti-Zionist Jews who are trying to build a different future for Jewish people. Although TBH, I feel really torn about making a podcast that ends up feeling primarily like a resource for Jews to understand Zionism better and understand its violence. Like, of course, we have to educate other Jews about this because, like, we have to get our people. 
But on the other hand, I'm really allergic to the concept of our people. Like I, I worry about the aspects of like trying to move and educate Jews about this. I worry about the sort of the strategic questions that that raises. Like, do we need to be talking to Jews? Is that an important step in the liberation of Palestine? Or is it an important step in like not feeling so alienated and terrible in Jewish spaces? Like making the Jewish communities we want. Where do those things actually come together? And where are, where are we kind of shoving them together? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, considering that this podcast emerges from Jewish Voice for Peace, I think the question of how much its intention to engage Jews, like it's an interesting question to me because JVP has its own strategy, right? But is there an aspect of JVP's mandate that is about engaging non-Jewish people with these types of educational materials? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I, in some ways, I think the way in which this is a question that's alive in the podcast is also a question that's alive in JVP. Not to get like too weirdly meta about it, but I think the reason that it's hard to answer this question is because of Zionism, because part of what Zionism teaches us is that we should only be concerned about the well-being and like interests of other Jewish people and that everybody else's interests should be secondary. And so I think we're, we're pushing back against those things, which then makes it confusing when we were like, well, we're a Jewish organization, right? So, and what it means to be a Jewish person and what is a Jewish organization is always like, also questions that nobody knows the answers to, honestly. So it is something that we think about all the time in JVP. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't work for JVP, but I'm like a fellow traveler with a lot of JVPers and believe in the work. And I think the concern there is like, are we working against Zionism in a way that reinscribes Zionism by centering Israel in the political and identity questions that we grapple with? I feel like that's like a live question. I don't think that's like a resolved question or a simple question or even necessarily the most useful question. Same. Um, So you were saying, you were talking about earlier, identifying the need for primers of a certain kind. Can you talk a bit more about the gap in that sort of media landscape that you're hoping to fill with the project? Yeah. Some of our excitement about this is just like, there's something about listening to radio and listening to people's voices that makes you feel welcomed in and it's warm and you feel bonded and there's like room to listen to stuff that for some people might be hard to listen to for everybody will at some points be hard to listen to. So I think some of it is like a like very literal, like question of medium. We do look forward to the hate mail we're going to get about our voices. (laughs) (laughs) Just because we're women. (laughs) I will say that for me, it's Zionism has been a third rail for so long and openly talking about anti-Zionism as something that is, correct and moral and desired. (laughs) It just feels like there hasn't been, like you you can find writing about it and you can find writing about it if you're an academically minded person who likes reading academic work. But it's actually a challenge to find something that's like a Newsweek article level on anti-Zionism and why Zionism is something that someone would criticize. You know, listicle version (laughs) of like why someone would be an anti Zionist. And so it's really challenging because Zionism is complicated and has a long history. But I do think it's needed to have something that's a little bit more um, here's what it is, here's why people would have a problem with it. Mm. I sort of imagine it, I don't know if anyone else got this for like a graduation present as like a set of tapes 
great lecture series or whatever. Not that we are the great lectures of <laughs> that series. We just want it to be on the shelf for whenever you want it. Hmm. So obviously making a podcast is very different from the type of movement work that I think all of us probably have a lot of shared experience in of some kind. And I'm just curious what it's been like for you to shift into this new zone. For me, it's been Nava has more radio podcast experience than I do. This is like a totally new genre for me. And it feels like learning a new language. Like you understand some of the basic vocabulary, but you're not fluent in it yet. And you can tell the other people are better in it than you are. <laughs> but you're learning all the time and it's getting better all the time. Um, very nerve wracking. It's much slower. I think organizing can sometimes feel like a slog, but is often like very quick. You're responding to something that's happening right now. And then you see the impact pretty soon. But podcasting is definitely not like that. And I think we won't see the impact for a while. Um, and it, there's, I think, both good and bad things about that. It reminds me much more of a writing than it does of organizing in that way. But it's been really good for me to kind of help me boil down what are the core messages I want to say? What is the core story I want to tell, which feels like important work to do when you're organizing and in, in all areas of your life, you know? Um, I think for me, it's actually been a really interesting part of my experience of like understanding my own disability and my own ableism in new ways. Because when I first started working with Tali on the podcast, I was so excited about it. And one of the things that I felt like was I was finding a way for myself to do like what I could, like at least I can do this for the movement, even if I can't be an organizer and can't do some of the work I was excited to do before my injury, for example. And I think what's been really cool about the process is that I have deepened my sense of all the multiple ways there are to do movement work. You know, I've thought about this before as a poet and as a scholar, but this feels like a new level of understanding that like, of course I have what to bring. Of course we all have what to bring to the work. And this is what I can do. And I'm so lucky to be doing it. And it feels like a good reorganizing of my sense of what movement work is and a deepening of my sense that there are infinite ways to do it. And I'm grateful to have this one. And uh, you have one subscriber here for the next however many seasons you make. Maybe two. Woo! I don't know, David. <laughs> um, but on the subject of season one, can you both talk a little bit about what some of the issues within the broader question of Zionism that you're going to try to tackle this season? We did try to have a history. We do have a history. We episode. do have a history. We do have a history. episode. <laughs> it's extremely challenging to have a history episode of anything, but you know, history of Zionism is like a very big topic. And so we tackled it in a way. Um, we know that we have an episode that's an Im impact on Palestinians. We're still kind of developing some episodes that will hit on impact on Mizrahi Jews and impact on Ashkenazi Jews. But those episodes are less finished. <laughs> we are also in a few episodes going to be airing a conversation the two of us had about how we stop being Zionist. We're also going to be talking to a scholar who works on Christian Zionism to talk about, I mean, there's so much to say about Christian Zionism, but we're going to be talking about how some Christian Zionist precepts became Jewish Zionist precepts and sort of how that process happened, which I think is also going to be really interesting. 
Yeah. And one thing we're very, I'm really excited about is the idea of diaspora as something, this is going back to our living conversation about audience, right? But that the idea of diaspora has a significance in Jewish thought, but is also something that's really powerful for a lot of different movements and peoples. And so sharing a little bit from people, an invitation to have people share with us what the word diaspora means for them, regardless of if they're Jewish or not, um, which I'm hoping can be a way for us to connect the thing we're doing with the thing that lots of different people are doing in a in the aftermath of colonialism and nationalism. Okay, so before we let you go, uh, we have a segment on our show called Shkoyach, and it's basically a thumbs up, thumbs down situation. Uh, something that you find exciting or the opposite, I guess. A, a mm. person, a group, an event, a book sometimes. Anything giving you life right now. Yes, that's the more optimistic way. Anything making you excited or giving you hope. So I was wondering if we could kick that to both of you and uh, ask for both of your shkoyachs for the week. I think the shkoyach I will, I will give is, despite this being a pretty bad news week, I do feel like I can see the way that the conditions are changing in real time that people are do folks know who michael ian black is no he's a comedian he was in a bunch of movies think of like snl adjacent comedian right um and he tweeted something that was like now that american jews are our own nation can we just formally recognize palestine and i just thought that was telling right that this uh comedian who is not political on any level and is not known to be like anti-zionist on any level is suddenly saying something that's to be funny but also is like i don't know it just feels like things are shifting under this really terrible set of circumstances that we find ourselves in so that's where i'll go is that things are shifting and that people are open to new and different ways of uh thinking about palestine in the future that is a good one tali Thank you, Nava. (laughs) Also, exactly what you said, Tali, like, this is shitty, repressive, scary stuff. But it, you know, one of the things that happens in response to is like, growth and power of the kind of movement building that we want to see. So like, that is totally a shkoyach. And also just like on this very literal level, like the fact that there is available language in like, the White House and Congress to even talk about BDS. Like seven years ago, 400 people knew what BDS was. Mm-hmm. And like now, like the Times is writing like not super awesome attempts to understand it. You know, the people who are mad about it are using our language. I mean, they're also using this fucked up anti Semitism language, but they're also using our language. And that seems like power. Yeah. Um, well, if you'd like to learn more about that language <laughs> or hear that language on the regular, <laughs> you can tune into the new Diaspora podcast. Uh, thanks so much to both of you for taking the time to chat with us. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the episodes that come out. Oh, my God. We're Yay. so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's been great talking to you. Trafe Podcast is Sam Bick and David Zinman. A huge thanks to CKUT 90.3 FM, where we record this podcast under the shadow of the giant cross of secularism on occupied Ganyagahaga territory. 
Thanks as always to Sax Syndrome and So Called for the music you heard in the episode and to everybody who helps make Trafe Podcast happen. You can check us out on the social medias at Trafe, T-R-E-Y-F, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Please send any comments, suggestions, or hate mail to trafepodcast at gmail.com. More episodes soon.